Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. There is a uh, there is the demand when it comes to brainwashing. There is the demand that one confess to crimes one has not committed, to sinfulness that is artificially induced, and this is done in the name of a cure that is arbitrarily imposed. That is what Robert J. Lifton articulated in um, his book Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. And he was identifying how one goes about and the purpose of brainwashing. There is the demand that one confess to crimes one has not committed, confess to sinfulness that is artificially induced, and this is done in the name of a cure that is arbitrarily imposed. Right? So two different examples, one, quote, cure. That's arbitrarily imposed. So why do I say this? What is the point of this? Stanley Ridgely, writing at the James G. Martin Center, uh, North Carolina's former governor, James Martin, Jim Martin, um, he's doing a review. Well, he says when you write a, this is part of his book, he's got a book and he reviews the literature. Okay, so he says when you write a book about higher education, called Brutal Minds. <laughs> this is this is the name of his book, Brutal Minds, and the subtitle of the book is called The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our Universities. And so the obvious question presents itself, can you actually provide examples of the so-called brainwashing? And the answer is yes. He can. In fact, his book is full of them. So many that the length of the book was cut by half in order to make it more manageable. Brainwashing examples offered themselves in the articles written by academics, by would-be academics, as well as by non-academics, right? And these are all published in these cargo cult journals like The Counseling Psychologist and The Journal of Student Affairs Research and Practice. They're also published in books like Multicultural and Diversity Issues in Student Affairs Practice or Identity-Based Student Activism, Rethinking College Student Development Theory Using Critical Frameworks and Multicultural Competence in Student Affairs. Right? There is no shortage of these types of books and programs. The folks who do the brainwashing are proud of what they do which is serving the cause of social justice, and they share their tactics and techniques with each other. Once again, you don't have, this is why I go and I read the, you know, the writings and the work of the left. This is why I, I go to their websites, I go to their publications, I read what they say, because they will tell you what they intend to do sometimes. I mean, sometimes the smarter ones, you know, they, they mask it over, but a lot of times they're very clear in what their stated goals are. And the people who are training the next generation of brainwashers will tell you this is in order to reshape society. So what constitutes the brainwash? 
it is a program that constitutes the systematic, purposeful, psychological manipulation of targeted individuals. And these pro- this program is directed by persons or organizations with the goal of supplanting the belief system that the targets had before with a different belief system. Right? Very, very straightforward, right? You got some uh, you got you got people that are part of a program and they attempt to purposefully right manipulate their targets with the goal of putting a different belief system into their head. Or I guess as the uh, the modern progressives would say, you know, education. Deception about the true uh, the true goal of the activity, though, is a uh, is usually typical. Right? You don't want to say what the purpose is. They won't they won't come right out and say we're trying to train the next generation of radical leftists. So they 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 dress it up. The brainwash is employed exclusively by the progressive left on colleges uh, on college campuses. This is where it occurs. These persons reject traditional models of education, especially the Weberian notion, which, whatever, it's that that you have a neutral classroom, right? That's this idea that the classroom is neutral. They reject this, right? At the college level, the brainwashers, right, their practice is critical pedagogy. What is pedagogy? Pedagogy is uh, the method of teaching, okay? So how how you instruct. Um, And so critical pedagogy is just like critical race theory. It's critical consciousness, right? It comes from this Antonio Gramscian type of uh, Hegelian thought. That's the lineage from neo-Marxism, right? So critical pedagogy, what does that do? What is critical pedagogy? Critical pedagogy embraces this notion that the professor is the scholar practitioner, and the professor participates in the social activism of particular movements. And, and as such, right, they are in this class and they are advancing as the scholar practitioner, right? They are, they are engaged in the work. You hear that all the time now, right? In the work. And how usually it makes everybody so exhausted. Oh, just so tired from all the work, right? I mean, not actual physical work, but just, you know, the work. So they're, they're scholar practitioners and then they are, they are informing they're young skulls of mush that have paid all of the money. Well, mom and dad paid the money or uh, the government did. Well, us. Okay, well, we will, but China in the short term. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, you got the kids in the classroom and they're there to right get training. And lucky us, we have a scholar practitioner who's now going to train us. Not how to think, but what to think. The scholar practitioners reject the idea that there could be reasonable alternatives to the professor's view, right? The professor has the view. The view is what is the correct view. This is where we're leading you. And this is why I remember a couple of um, weeks ago, I I did the story about a fella who had uh, gone back to school at an older age. And as he's sitting in the classroom, he's like getting his MBA or something. And he's hearing these people talk and, and, they're talking about, you know, Trump voters and he just and he wasn't even a Trump voter, but he just suggested to them, hey, maybe there's another reason why all these people flip their votes from Obama to Trump. And it's not racism. And nobody in the class could decipher a reason why that would be the case. They, it, it never occurred to them that they just simply thought everybody on the right was an ism, you know, 
racism, or I guess an ist. They'd be a racist, a, a sexist, a homophobist, whatever. I guess an ist or a phobe. Okay, so that, that everybody, they were just motivated by bigotry. That was the only explanation for why anybody would disagree with them, because they're correct, right? This idea, by the way, is, you know, critical consciousness. One of many brainwashing practitioners is a person named Lisa Spannerman, or Spanier, Spanierman. It's like S-P-A-N-I-E-R, so Spanier, Spanier, man, Lisa Spanier, man. Anyway, Lisa is a professor of counseling psychology at Arizona State University. And Lisa has written extensively on the idea that racist white students, which is all white students, can be moved along a conveyor belt from their current racist belief system to one that's in line with her social justice activism. Begins, as all brainwashing does, with an appeal to gain the trust, right, to to get the people, the targets, to lower their guard, right? This is always the case. This is why cults always prey on... Um, on vulnerable people, right? They find somebody and then they feed whatever they have to feed, whatever component that is missing from that target's life in order to gain their trust. Oh, no, you are so smart. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so engaging. Oh, my gosh, you're amazing, right? And they and they bring you in. They lure you in. You lower your guard. They maybe play some games that incorporates what is essentially deceptive interrogation tactics, this is where you get the, the privilege walks, right? This is where you end up with the take one step forward or two steps back if you're white, if you're cisgender, whatever. Like, and that's, that's what those games, quote unquote, are designed to do is to somehow is to you know, lower your guard and make you feel the guilt that is required in critical consciousness. And it can include discussions about your personal life experiences, your attitudes, your beliefs, your opinions, your feelings, your personal histories, right? You, you, you lure people in with these personal details. You get them to lower their guards. The student subjects of this experiment are never told that they will be the subjects of psychological interventions designed to generate collective guilt and move them along the racialist conveyor belt. That's the purpose. That's why you do it. Hey, everybody line up. Oh, this is fun. Hey, we're all hanging out. All right, take a step forward if, you, uh, you, if, you've, uh, never had, if you've never gone hungry. Take a step forward. If you get three meals a day, or if, you, if you've ever had to brown bag, have you ever missed a meal? And then you start getting into, like, are you white? <laughs> take a step forward. And then you start realizing, well, wait a minute. I, I got all these unfair advantages. I feel guilty. That's the purpose. Critical consciousness. That's the whole purpose. Collective guilt. That then allows you, this is according to the science, or sorry, the uh, psychology, uh, counseling psychology professor at Arizona State, who has written extensively about this process. This is the point. This is the point. According to them, this is the point. Okay. All right. Now, you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will 
consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Tara, welcome to the program. Hello, Tara. How are you? Hey, Pete. Very good. Good. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't know how I came across this one, but Jennifer Aniston was on <laughs> promoting the movie with her and Adam Sandler. Come on, Tara. You know, you know how you got to that podcast. <laughs> That's it okay. Conan, o- Conan O'Brien needs a friend. I, I love that one. So, anywho, she's talking about how embarrassed she is about friends and how it doesn't relate to today. So then the podcaster asked her, you're making $20 million a year. Each one individually is. And it was crickets. Like, yeah. Uh, right. I remember when they, because all of the cast, there were, what, six of them or something, right? And they all demanded that they all get paid the same amount of money, and it was like a million dollars per episode. And they agreed to it, because that's how popular the show was at the time. Yeah. Ugh, I could not. I think I probably have watched 10 episodes, maybe. Oh, of Friends? Remind me of uh, who's the late night host that would explain his jokes uh, that took over for Johnny Carson. But anywho. Jay Leno? It's the worst. Yes. Can't stand him. Oh, wow. No. No, no, no. He's he's just, just, just tell your joke. If you have to explain it, that's too sad for you. Right, yes, Let that's not a good, yeah, yeah. No, unless you're like a Norm MacDonald kind of uh, comedian where... The, where the bit includes the the pseudo explanations for why the joke is funny, but um, but that's usually then like a layer or two deep into the comedy and the value. But um, so so yeah. So, yeah, so I, this, Steve Steve Carell's coming out with this with the Office, and they're all coming out, but they're all getting these unbelievable amounts of money. So where's your money going? Right. Well, and I, that's what Robin D'Angelo would uh, advise. I mean, not for herself, obviously, but for everybody else, the author of White Fragility uh, advises that people have to donate uh, enough of their money. White people have to donate enough of their money, quote, until it hurts. They have to make it hurt. They have to give away so much of their money to organizations that are, you know, doing the work, like these anti-racism organizations. Uh, But she doesn't. She owns multiple homes and she doesn't actually donate uh, money to these organizations. At least she didn't when the... Uh, the researchers came for her a couple of years ago, um, and maybe she has now. I don't know. But, yeah, this is one of the— it, it, My point about this is yeah. if you're going to speak out about it and act like, oh, I feel so bad at what we did, but, oh, excuse me, I've got to go to my uh, post office box and get my $2 million for this month, then shut up. I, yeah. I yeah, well, it's just like it, it's the same, it's the same uh, hypocrisy standard— that is being violated by the people who fly in on all the private jets to their uh, Gaia Earth conferences, right? It's the same. It's the same thing. Uh, uh, Tara, I appreciate the call. I do remember hearing the. Um, I remember hearing <laughs> in the or seeing the headline that she had said this thing, and it's yes to Tara's point. It's very easy to say that now, and the only reason she's saying it now is because she thinks she's supposed to say it, right? There, there's this is part of the brainwashing. This is the racial. Uh, a conveyor belt, right? That you have to instill the guilt. That's part of this critical pedagogy, this critical consciousness. You have to instill the guilt. She's supposed to feel guilty because she took a job as an actor 
playing a role on a TV show 20 years ago where they didn't do, I mean, they, they didn't do anti, like they didn't, they didn't do racist stuff. Now they made gay jokes. They did do that. They made gay jokes about Chandler. Chandra Bong, I believe. The author of a book called Brutal Minds, The Dark World of Left-Wing Brainwashing in Our University, Stanley K. Ridgely. And yes, he does have examples of all of the, uh, the brainwashing. And he first defines, and I understand how this sounds. I get it. People talk about indoctrination, brainwashing. So I understand how this sounds to people that automatically bristle at this, you know, at, at this term being used. But when you look at what the term actually means, and then you look at how it's being advanced, it is clearly what is occurring. I mean, what is the difference between, quote, education and, quote, indoctrination or brainwashing, right? Except for the goals that the person doing the educating is attempting to achieve, right? That's the only real practicable difference is that I, as an educator, want you to do this or I want you to do that as the student, right? And do this, like, if I'm educating you, then I'm, like, teaching you how to learn. Versus teaching you what to learn. But I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of that phrase either. Because when I was growing up, I had to learn who all the presidents were. I had to learn my multiplication tables. I had to learn how to read and write cursive and all that stuff. Right? I had to learn how to do these things. So I was being told what to learn. No. But the idea is that this, these are skills that will help me in other things later in life. And the society is what? Transmitting its values to the next generation. That is a form of indoctrination, right? And, and by the way, the people on the left who would bristle the most at this idea that schools are, quote, indoctrinating, they are also the same people that advance this idea that our society is systemically and institutionally inherently racist and white supremacist and has been transmitting that through indoctrination in the schools, which is why we need to pay the teachers more money, I'm told. For some, I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but that's what you do with in systemically racist organizations. You pay the, the employees more money, and that's how you get better systemically racist institutions, I think. Um, one of the many brainwashing practitioners, Lisa Spanierman, professor of counseling psychology at Arizona State University. Um, and he talks about her specifically as one of the examples because she has written so prolifically about this. They are not told, the students in her class are not told that Spanierman and people like her believe that they are all racists ripe for reform. Because that's what Spanierman says. She doesn't tell her students that. But that's what she says. The students of the experiments in her classes are never told that they will be the subjects of psychological interventions that are designed to generate collective guilt and move them along the racialist conveyor belt. Right? They're not told that their current relationships with friends and family are going to be undermined and, quote, deconstructed, as University of Iowa professor Sherry Watt states, touting her own conveyor belt, which she calls the privilege identification exploration model, or the PIE, or the PI. Spanierman's contribution to a book in 2022 called Guilt, a Force of Cultural Transformation, is one example of an entire complex of psychological conveyor belt manipulation that's occurring. Right? She says her technique is to create classroom scenarios 
designed to generate collective guilt in students by exposing them to carefully curated material like films and selected readings. Which, by the way, if any of this sounds familiar, it's because this is now standard in your quote-unquote diversity courses. Spanierman continues in her 2022 contribution. She says, White guilt in the summer of Black Lives Matter that educational interventions increase students' levels of white guilt. And that is the goal. Educational interventions increase students' levels of white guilt. And white guilt has the potential to be a socially productive force in challenging white privilege and disrupting the racial status quo in the United States. Right? That's the point. That's the point. It's to create the white guilt because they believe that this is beneficial. This is how we tear down the institutional racism. They can more easily persuade students to do the work of the anti-racists, right, if they have the white guilt. That's the point. And that is indoctrination. She is trying to train Activists. Now, you can agree or disagree with her goal. But the the case cannot be denied here that hers is not an educational course. Hers is an indoctrinational one, right? It's unlikely that anybody would willingly submit to such a program. Right. Do you want to go and say, hey. I'm going to uh, I'm going to make you feel guilty for things that you did not do, which, by the way, this goes back to, you know, cult behavior and brainwashing. All cults do this very same thing. Right. They 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 cast upon you some reason why you should feel some level of guilt, but then they also offer you the cure. And it's arbitrarily imposed, but they give you the cure that you can get out of this. But the goal for the for the leadership is to just get an army of followers. That's the purpose, right? It's not to actually help you. I mean, maybe it was at first, or maybe, you know, for some insane people it is. But it isn't. Uh, that's not the end end game, right? The end game is to give you the Kool-Aid. No, I'm kidding. Right? The end game is, you know, power, prestige, right? You have this army of followers. Maybe it's for the concubines and such. That's always usually part of the the deal with those types of cults. The psyche manipulators never announce themselves as such. They maintain a moral deception with their, you know, vanilla cliches like we're going to learn about race or why don't you want to learn to teach uh, the real history or multicultural competence. Right. They have all of these fancy words and phrases, but they undermine their students sense of self. And why do they do that? They want to alienate them from their parents and their friends. And that is a classic brainwash tactic. Classic. Ridgely goes on to say that his research has shown brainwashing is widespread on college campuses wherever critical racialism has gained purchase. It is conducted by a highly motivated group of people, both in the actual curriculum and in fake classes of the co-curriculum. These people all adhere to the same political ideology and their manipulation takes advantage of what we know about the human psyche and emotions. Again, these are psychologists. These are people that know, right? So again, to bring it all back to Robert J. Lifton, 
there is the demand that one confess to crimes one has not committed, to sinfulness that is artificially induced, in the name of a cure that is arbitrarily imposed. Brainwashing. All right, now given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods. Books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So the North Carolina House Republicans have now filed a bill. And according to all of the media reporting on this, it is to, uh, to ban drag shows in the state public ones at least public drag shows yeah not really the case though oh i guess it would help if i plug that laptop in anyway republicans in the north carolina house introduced a bill that would ban drag performances in public places or in the presence of a minor there we go oh that's much better it really drives it home those evil republicans uh, House Bill 673, by the way, that is the narrative. That is the framing, okay? Because I have, in my grubby little fingers, I have the uh, I have the bill. It's very short. Very, very short bill. Like some other fingers of a famous person. Doesn't matter whose. Okay, the name of the bill, an act to clarify the regulations on adult live entertainment. Here it is. They're amending the statute. Definition. For purposes of this section, the term adult live entertainment means a performance featuring topless dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, or male or female impersonators who provide entertainment that appeals to a prurient interest, regardless of whether or not performed for consideration. What consideration means in this context is money. Okay. Consideration is some sort of benefit, so money. So regardless, like if you're doing a free strip tease, that doesn't mean that you're immune from prosecution for violating, you know, public stripping laws, okay? So again, what does this mean? So it doesn't matter whether you get paid or not, but whether you are a topless dancer, exotic dancer, a stripper, or a male or female impersonator who provides entertainment that appeals to a purient interest, That's the definition. The next two parts are about the punishment. That it is unlawful for a person to engage in adult live entertainment, as defined just moments ago by me, on public property or in a location where the adult live entertainment is in the presence of an individual under the age of 18. So you cannot do these types of performances for a prurient interest. You cannot do them in public places or in front of kids. And if you do, you will be guilty of a class A1 misdemeanor for your first offense. You do it again. It's a class I felony for a second or any subsequent offense. So, of course, this has now gotten everybody on the left screaming about uh, how they're banning drag shows. 
Well, you just heard it. Public drag shows. For a purient interest. And apparently, uh, over at the McClatchy paper, reporter named uh, Kyle Ingram, I guess who is a freelancer who writes for the News and Observer State Government News Service, um, he points out that the bill does not define what constitutes purient interest. Hey, Kyle, um, if you type in purient in uh, the North Carolina general statutes, you're going to get results for purient. You know why? Because it's a common term that is used in the law when describing what is and is not acceptable when it comes to sexual, uh, sexually related issues, pornography, public exhibitions, that sort of thing. And a purient interest means lustful interest, right? You're trying to sexually stimulate or gratify, like that's purient interest. That that is the intent is to just arouse sexually. That's the point. Purient interest. It is, it is a long-standing term in law. But Kyle, reporter for the News and Observer and the McClatchy Papers, doesn't know what it means, so wants us to think that this is some sort of error or omission, or there's those evil Republicans just being evil and stupid again. Like, this is, I guess, what he wants to convey in this piece, but actually you're just conveying that you don't know what purient interest means. It's a, it's a mainstay in these types of laws. So if you're, if you're doing the drag show in order to arouse or stimulate or uh, get some sort of sexual gratification, think pasties, Kyle, okay? Think pasties, right? Think exposed buttocks and uh, doing all sorts of uh, uh, splits and such. Lap dances, if you will, right? If you're, if you're crossing a line from simply just dancing, as one might say, at a Super Bowl halftime show, well, not all Super Bowl halftime shows, notably the Panthers versus the Patriots one with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. But aside from that one, like, imagine, like, these are the types of things that you would see at a concert, right? Versus things that you would see at, you know, a strip club. How about that? Just think in those terms. Look, I didn't think we would need to codify this kind of thing either, but apparently here we are. There are four actual mentions of purient in the general statutes. There is no definition of purient interest specifically, but it does have a definition, right? It does have a definition. It is uh, all over the place in all the law. And last month, he goes on to say in this piece, Tennessee passed a similar bill that got blocked by a federal judge who said that the bill was vague and overly broad. But I don't know how similar it is. I didn't read the Tennessee bill. Here's the thing. People are going to test this, I'm sure, somehow. I don't know how, but I'm sure people are going to test it to try to get it thrown out. I'm sure some organizations may try and sue as well. That's possible, too. We shall see. But you know what? Good for them for running the bill. Because, again, I didn't think we needed to tell people don't do the strip teases in front of little kids in public places where parents might not know that this is going to occur. You can't sexualize kids like that. You can't dance lewdly in front of the children. I didn't think we needed that specifically for the drag shows and such, but apparently we do. So now we have it.